representation's always been really important to me. And so I was trying to see like, oh, you know, what other African-American women have have done this, like have bi- done bike racing and like, you know, gone like who who's professional out there? Who can I follow? How can I get more interested in this sport? And that I couldn't find anything. Welcome to Part-Time Athletes, a podcast that interviews real people about their fitness journeys. That was Aisha McGowan, the first African-American female pro road cyclist. And this is your host, Brie Outside. Before she was a pro, she had to start somewhere. In today's episode of Part-Time Athletes, Aisha McGowan talks about the beginning of her cycling journey and just cycling in general, some of the challenges she's had and advice for those looking to get into cycling. As I say at the beginning of every episode, if you choose to apply any advice or opinions from this podcast or its guests to your own life or anyone else's, you do so at your own risk. Now that that's out of the way, let's get started, athletes. So I kind of just want to go back to the beginning. Um, I know you started cycling and riding bikes as a commuter, right? Can you just talk a little bit about that and what made you even think of bikes as an option? Uh, I was in college in Boston, and I was probably complaining about the transportation system. And a friend had a bike, and he enjoyed it and recommended that I get one. And that's pretty much where the idea came from. And then I asked my mom if I could use hers because I knew it was in the basement at our house. And so I got my mom's bike and got it fixed up and started riding. And then how did you find the world of like cycling and racing? Because I know for me, like I didn't even know that was a thing until a couple years ago. So did you see a flyer or did you have friends that did it or how did you get into that? Um, over time, I just got more involved in, in the cycling community and the bike community. And it was about, I guess, five or six years before I knew that it was a thing. And then seven years before I actually did it myself, I was just constantly exploring new ways to enjoy riding bikes or, you know, like dealing with bikes. So learning how to fix them. Um, I was an advocate. I was a courier for a little bit. I did alley cats and gold sprints and all kinds of stuff. Um, and that was just like another way to, to, in, to try it. Um, and there was a clinic in, I lived in New York city at the time and I went to the, the track clinic and they were like, okay, you can race now. And I didn't really believe them. Um, and so it took me about another year before I actually did it. Uh, but I enjoyed it a lot and was really excited to see once you can figure out how to do it, how simple it is to get into bike racing. And do you remember a lot about your first race? Like, how did it go? How did you feel doing it? So my first, like bike race that had a course, I guess, um, was the Red Hook Crit, which was not a sanctioned race. And it went terribly. <laughs> um, it's a fixed gear crit. And it's a lot of fun when it's not your first race and you don't know what you're doing. Um, but that, that, that day, it was really, really cold. And it was pouring rain to the point where we like they let us pre-ride the course for qualifiers. And then after qualifiers, we were all soaked. So I had a friend that offered to take my kit to the hotel where a friend was staying and dry it for me in between the qualifiers and the final final race. Um, it was just miserable weather and I do not thrive in miserable weather. I'm a very, I'm a fair weather person, not even like a fair weather cyclist. 
<laughs> I don't like cold and I don't like when it's raining. So that was like the least optimal scenario for a first bike race for me. And it ended in someone crashing and um, they had to stop the race. And I decided not to go back out when they restarted it. So it was just not, it wasn't a good experience for my first bike race, but I was motivated to, to learn more because it was an immediate understanding that I didn't know enough. Um, and then I did. <laughs> I took the time to like sign up for stuff and like, you know, learn. So what do you wish that you had known before your first race? Outside I from think, like the forecast. <laughs> I think the main thing that I wish I'd known was how to start a race and how to deal with being lapped. I got lapped my first race. Um, and during being lapped is what caused a crash. And I didn't know, I didn't know what was happening. And then by the time I figured it out, it was too late and someone got really hurt. So I wish I'd known that. And that's on me. I should have, I should have known. I should have known more. I should have learned more. Um, and that's why I was like, I can't make that person not be hurt anymore, but I can do what I need to do to learn so that doesn't happen again. And that's, yeah, that was, that was how I decided to deal with that. I was like, okay. I'm clearly lacking in a lot of information here. I thought you just got on the bike and you went really fast in circles or whatever the course was and that, and like tried to cross the finish line first, which is a huge reduction of what bike racing really is. Like that is it, but there's so much more to it. When you say you were lapped, because I don't, I don't know that much about cycling. I'm a runner. And so when you say lapped, I'm thinking like on a track, like somebody's passing you. Uh, yep. That's that, right. Okay. <laughs> um, except in this case, meaning they'd, we all started at the same time, but they'd managed to go around the entire course and then come back around and they were passing me then. <laughs> so I wasn't going nearly at the same rate and speed of the, the people that were in the front of the race. And so they were going fast enough that they'd finished the entire course and come back around and they were passing me. Um, and that's, that's being left. <laughs> not, not, not favorable, not what you want. <laughs> and so you, you currently are, you're the first African American female pro cyclist, but what made you decide oh, for road cycling? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what made you decide to go for that? Cause that's a huge jump from, I mean, beginner you're exploring like when did you decide that's what you wanted to do um well after I you know took all the clinics and learned what what the heck was going on I discovered I was actually really good at bike racing um and I had a really good first season and so I was looking and trying to see like you know representation's always been really important to me and so I was trying to see like oh you know what other african-american women have have done this like have Bike, done bike racing and like you know gone like who who's professional out there who can I follow how can I get more interested in this sport and that I couldn't find anything and that was like alarming because it was 2014 at the time when I was looking and it didn't make any sense to me that that was the case um and like even with other disciplines like I specify road because that's you know what I know best if there have been professional African-American women doing that or females doing that, um, I couldn't 
there's not enough, you know, like there wasn't a ton of representation there either. I've found like black folks from other countries that have gone pro or black women in other countries that have gone pro, but not so much here. And that was, that's really sad for me. <laughs> and so I was like, well, I'm pretty good at this. I understand that I'm like super amateur at this point. Um, but you know, everybody starts somewhere. And I think for me, the journey was the most important part. Like it was never about me being pro as an individual, but sort of trying to like jumpstart interest in other people. Um, and so, yeah, so I decided to go for it. And what do you think as far as your training and reaching your goal, what do you think the biggest challenges have been on your road? I mean, I'm my own biggest barrier for most things. I have anxiety and depression and ADHD. And so focus is really hard, which is kind of, I impress myself that I've been consistent for so long with this. It, it lets me know that it's something that I was really passionate about and really cared about. And so just like maintaining morale was always very challenging. I never wanted to quit, but some, you know, sometimes it just got really, really hard. And so I think that was one of the biggest barriers. And I guess bigger than that was just figuring out what a trajectory even looks like. Um, there's no defined path to how you can become a professional cyclist especially for women. I think things are getting more clear as the years go on. Like 2020 is the first year that they were required to, to pay world tour level athletes. And I'm, I'm not on a world tour team, but the world tour level athletes were not, they're not, they were not required to pay them. Um, and so like the structure for women cycling globally is still being put in place, even though it's been around for decades at this point. So yeah, <laughs> figuring out what a path looks like, what a trajectory looks like, how to even become pro was a challenge in itself. And what keeps you coming back when things do get hard? Do you get a lot of intrinsic motivation or is it like from other people? Is there something you do like to help get yourself like re-inspired or re-motivated when you're having a tough time? I think it's a combination of things. Um, definitely a lot of like inner strength <laughs> and motivation of like, this is something that I really want and something that really matters to me. But also I, I'm highly motivated by other people, you know, being inspired by what I'm trying to do and like being super supportive of what I've been doing. And to the point where they're also starting their own journeys to doing things that they care about or become passionate about. And that's always really, really cool for me. So yeah, I think motivation and inspiration come from a lot of different places. and every now and again, there'll be something that will like kind of reinvigorate or jumpstart me when I'm feeling pretty down or low or, you know, needing a boost. So that's, that's good. And what advice or what do you think someone that's looking to maybe try cycling, what do you think they need to get started? You need a bike. <laughs> and I've, I've, I mean, I, I have the, my quick Brown Foxes podcast where I kind of, well, where I ask other women of color, these same questions pretty much of like, how did you start riding and what does that journey look like? And um, a lot of people started on not optimal equipment and kind of worked their way from there. So I feel like to get started, just get a bike, you know, like that's the thing that'll kind of get you hooked. 
and let you know if you actually care or are interested in the thing before you like invest in it. Right. Like there are people who for their first bike, they spend lots and lots of money on it and then they discover they don't actually enjoy it. <laughs> and so now you've got this like super expensive piece of equipment that you're not going to use comes like a coat rack or whatever. So just get a bike, you know, get a bike that makes you happy, that brings you joy. Maybe it's a nice color or maybe it comes from somebody that you love or you care about. Like anything that kind of, I guess the whole Marie Kondo method, like does it spark joy? And like, that's enough for me to, uh, to get going in my opinion. That's, that's more than enough to get going. And then you'll discover you need based on what you don't like about the thing that you already own. And you'll discover different ways that you can enjoy bikes or want to enjoy bikes. And you'll have a better idea of what equipment you require to do that. But I don't think people should pay too much, of, uh, too much attention to gear to start. Like just get a bike, you know, a helmet is a good thing to have. It's not required by law, but I think it's a good idea. Um, Definitely stay safe. <laughs> And, you know, try some stuff out, you know, make sure that your equipment is, you know, safe to ride, you have air in your tires, and nothing's gonna like fall off or break or anything, but just a bike that works starts and drives. <laughs> when you started, were you doing a lot of training on your own? Or were you working with local groups, local rides? Um, when I started, I was, like, I started as a commuter. So like, I'd been riding on my own for a while. And I, you know, was working with different advocacy organizations. So I would ride with other people as part of like a club or a group, but not in the capacity of like, we're going fast and going far. <laughs> um, so when I decided I wanted to do the Red Hook Crit, I built a bike for it. My uh, now husband worked at a bike shop and he, you know, got a frame and I like, that was like the first time that I like picked out all the pieces of a bike because I was trying to create a machine for a purpose. And that was a really cool experience because um, I'd never done that before and I never really cared before. I'm to this day, I'm not a gearhead like by any means, but I do understand that certain pieces of, of equipment are optimal for certain things. And so that was really fun to kind of explore like how to build a bike for what I wanted. And I was just riding with friends who were also trying to race the Red Hook Crit and showing up for like little events that are around the city. So there, there are sometimes I'll have like park, like unsanctioned park laps that are fast and sort of races, um, but not sanctioned or anything. And it was always really fun. And so just stuff like that, there was no formal training plan until I started actually racing and then I you know had a mentor and eventually a coach and a team and all of that stuff what do you think are some like barriers to entry for getting into cycling I'm thinking I mean the first one that I think of is financial just because yeah if you do want a nicer bike it does cost more money um but what else do you think um information access to information I think even the questions you're asking me, like, what kind of bike do you need? Or like, how, what is a race? Like, like, what do you need to know? I think that information is more available now. The internet is an amazing resource. Like, there's so much information on the internet. But I think the hardest part is knowing what you need to know, right? Like figuring out where to start that at least for me, that's really hard sometimes. Like, 
trying to understand what I need to understand. Yeah, knowing what you don't know, it's kind of impossible. (laughs) Um, But I think the easiest way to solve that is, you know, like find people who are already involved and ask, just ask them. And that can be kind of dangerous in bikes because everybody's an expert and nobody's an expert. Um, That's probably true for a lot of sports. (laughs) Yeah, but it'll at least give you some food for thought and you'll start like based on those responses, start to at least understand some of the things that you should be concerned with because certain things will keep coming up depending on who you ask. Right. Like don't depend on one expert is my advice (laughs) because everybody's an expert, (laughs) but, but not really. And then last, just now that you reached that goal of becoming the first, let me say this right this time, the first African-American female pro road cyclist, what's next for you? Like, what's your next big goal? What do you want to do? Um, I mean, the goal of going pro has always been really tangential with my advocacy goals for representation for people of color in cycling. Um, and so as far as racing, I don't know. I think 2020 has been a wash. Like, I had really big goals of, like, you know, racing globally, and that was going to be really cool. Uh, did not work out, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so, so <laughs> maybe when they let us back out into the world, we can regroup and try that again. But for now, I've just been really focused on like the advocacy side of things and figuring out how to create more representation for people of color in, in bikes and in cycling and in the industry. Um, and that's kind of where I feel like I have the most control within COVID times because <laughs> like racing is the women the world tour women just started racing again and that's cool but like at the domestic level i don't know that that's gonna be a, a thing for a bit or even if it is a thing a thing that i'll feel safe doing um <laughs> so yeah yeah did you want to talk a little bit about i it's, it's the black foxes right the new Oh, thing you're working uh, on. So yeah, that's <laughs> it's a collective of, of Black folks that enjoy bikes, and the idea is like, what if you, what if we just created this the space the way we want it to, right? Where we set the rules and we decide what things mean and what things are, and that's kind of the ground, the ground like the foundation for the whole thing. Like we we create our own narratives, and it's been really cool and especially cool because there's eight of us. And so we all have our own opinions about things. And it's been really awesome having other people to like work with and like soundboard off of and like collaborate with and our, like our differences and our similarities kind of all, you know, gel really well. And what I found is that people have been gravitating towards me, but almost like using that as a thing where it's like, oh, she's the only one there. And that's not the case at all. Um, and so I've been trying like bring in more voices and like elevate more voices and like get people to, to realize that like there's a ton of black folks that ride bikes. Um, you just don't see us. We're visible to you. And also we've created this for ourselves, right? We're not just trying to like be present for white people, but like also more so be present for other folks like us that don't feel seen and do feel invisible and are looking for community and looking for networks. And so it's just been really cool. Like we all enjoy bikes. However, we enjoy bikes and the outdoors as well. However, we enjoy the outdoors. Like I know Raekwon does like 
I don't even know what it's called. It's like, it's like skiing on ground. I don't even know what that's called. Um, <laughs> but just like, like learning all these really cool things that people do that like, it's just like, oh, well, black folks do that. And it's like, of course, like black folks have been doing all kinds of things for years and we just don't know about it. I don't know. It's been really awesome. All right, athletes, that's all the time we have for today's episode. I want to say thanks again to Aisha McGowan for agreeing to be on this podcast and for taking time out of her busy schedule to record this episode. And I want to say thanks to you, the listener, for choosing to listen to this episode out of all of the other podcasts, music, audiobooks, and everything else that you could be listening to right now. So I really appreciate your support. And if you enjoyed this episode, please, if it's possible on whatever platform that you're listening, um, follow. And if you can leave a review, leave a review. I would definitely like to know which episode so far has been your favorite. And we have some really fun episodes coming up. Uh, I've done a couple of really fun interviews in the last couple weeks. So definitely stay tuned for next week.